Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34. Woodfin, baby. Oh my God. I am so excited. Everybody is excited. You know, this is Birmingham. This is Birmingham. And you, last time I saw you, yeah, last week, the next day, you were on your way. On my way back. That was my second trip. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Our revolution made thousands of calls, over 11,000 text messages into Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. And guess what? I went door to door with Randall Woodfin just this past Saturday. He was running door for to door. mayor. Mayor right? beat, a, beat an incumbent. He beat the incumbent coming out of the primary. And baby, he beat the incumbent last night, which really shows that this progressive movement is catching steam, even in the South. And we got to give a, a special shout out to Senator Bernie Sanders as well, who mm-hmm. also endorsed him. Randall Woodfin is really going to turn that city around. We are so proud of him. And not just what it represents for Beham, but also what his win in the South represents for this country as a whole. Yeah. What I believe today is that change never takes place from the top down. It takes place when people by the millions, sometimes over decades and sometimes over centuries, determine that the status quo, the world that they see in front of them, is not the world that should be. And they come together. And sometimes they get arrested. And sometimes they're on a picket line. And sometimes they die in the struggle. And what human history is about is passing that torch on from generation to generation to generation of people who pick up the torch that may have begun hundreds or literally thousands of years ago. And young people stand in front of the world today and say, no, this is not the world that I am comfortable with. This is the world we are going to change. There are major, major, major issues that confront us today. And we need your help. We need the idealism and the energy and the intelligence of millions of people to join us in the fight to make America the kind of country we know it must become. So this week we have guest John Graziano, Twitter legend and tech guru. And today is his five... It's 5.23 today, and I actually wanted to discuss the hit piece that came out this week on Political about our revolution with John. And I wanted to bring up that this morning, the reason I'm mentioning the date, is we had a bunch of primaries last night in which our revolution candidates won. So that right off the top is sort of defeating this claim that Bernie's army, as what they are referring to as our revolution, Mm -hmm. is in disarray. So last night we had... We had Shelly Hutchinson win an election. We had Adrian Wallace. We had Lisa Ring. We had Maureen Skinner, Paul Walker, Stacey Abrams. And Stacey uh, Abrams won the nomination for Georgia governor. Right. So, so that's a big, that's as, a major. As we'll see, that's major unless they decide <laughs> it's not major. Right? Yeah. 
So, um, so the piece kind of starts out. Um, let's take a look at this and do a bit of a deep dive. It's, it's the name right off the top is is a problem. Bernie's army is in disarray. Right. So this is the example of lying in headlines. That's right. right. You'll go down and read, and this is basically about one particular dispute with one staff member. Our revolution, which is in no way something you would classify as Bernie's army, if you even think Bernie has an army. And the reason I don't say Bernie has an army, because most of us who support and like Bernie, if Bernie came out and said something like, hey, those Palestinians really had it coming, we would not like Bernie anymore. No. We're not there <laughs> no, to support Bernie. Neither, Bernie. Yeah. We support the policies. He Correct. Likes. And, you know, and I think that's the really important part of this. Um, you know, the Clinton group, they are so they are so caught up in their own idea of worshiping a single candidate, which is what they do. No mm-hmm. matter what Hillary does, they defend it. That they assume that everybody else on the planet is doing the same thing. Yeah. And I think your point is really valid because folks like you and I mm-hmm. on the left, the reason we like Bernie is because we agree with his policies. But I'll tell you right now, and I have both of us have at yeah. some point in the past disagreed with a stance Bernie took and had no problem having criticism against him. Oh, yeah. It. I, I, I lost... Uh, followers, because I was hammering him on the the lawsuit immunity for gun right. owners, which okay. you and I disagree we'll on. But, uh, <laughs> we'll we just leave that a, for conversation. For we just day. had a big argument before they started the podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> but the point is, I didn't like that policy, and I was right. not like, "Oh, Bernie did it, so now it's a good policy." It's like I don't like the no, policy. Right, Bernie right. shouldn't have done it, right? You know, um, and I think it it bears weight too that part of the article discusses Lucy Flores as now stepping off the board. And um, we'll talk. We'll backtrack into that so the audience understands what we're talking about. But I have to point out that Lucy, in, here in District 34, endorsed a candidate, Wendy Carrillo, mm-hmm. who was not behind Medicare for All, mm-hmm. who uh, does not think we should overturn Coaster Hawkins, which is the bill that has caused a lot of problems with affordable housing in the state. Mm-hmm. So the rent control bill, correct? And. Um, so in my opinion, this is somebody that's more married to identity politics, i.e. I'm going to support the Latina in the election versus anybody mm-hmm. else simply because they're a Latina, as opposed to being married to a platform. And I think the whole point of our revolution is these are candidates no it's, matter. It's platform-based. It's platform-based. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, Policy-based. Obviously, with Nina Turner running it, they care about diversity. Yeah, we candidates. all, yes. But diverse, we all care about diversity, but not in a way that we're willing to turn and, our back and this on is, policy. This is the difference between the DNC, who has zero policy, right. and all they care about is optics. Right. Uh, and and we can't we can't do that. I think obviously we have to bring everybody into the pool of candidates, and nobody gets excluded. But ultimately, it's got to be about the policy you support at the end of the day. Right. I agree with you on that. So um, now let's talk a little bit about the fact. That he's claiming that the Our Revolution uh, organization hasn't won any, and here's the key and operative word, yeah. major elections. So, so. So, so we should put a link to this article in the show notes. We will. And uh, <laughs> okay. And the, uh, the, the thing is that there, this really is a good uh, way to, uh, to look at how you detect a smear. So, yeah, so this... The, the headline is actually completely has nothing to do with the article. And the, under, the, the subtitle, uh, which is complete editorializing, which is our revolution is, quote, flailing. And, <laughs> and this is an extensive review by Politico, which we'll see is not very friggin' extensive. It's his own review. Extensive to who here's, for publishing this here's shit? Here's my favorite thing, which they talk about, and we'll see this all the time through the articles. 
fueling concerns about a potential 2020 bid. Mm-hmm. Who's fueling concerns? Okay, know. first of all, who's the concerned? neoliberals are the not. establishment, yeah. the corporations. Yeah, we know the yeah. neoliberals are wetting themselves over Bernie <laughs> running in 2020, but the, but it seems like this article well, is you know, to be fair. To that might concerns. be a good position. They should be wetting themselves. Yeah, they. they <laughs> They should. I mean, it's what they're best at. It's what they're best at. So, like, here's a prime example. It says right off the top, Bernie Sanders' top operatives formed our revolution after he lost the 2016 primary to keep his army organized and motivated. This is not true. Yeah, and first of all, we'll just uh, agree to disagree on lost, and then... Yeah, well, yes. Okay, so that's a good point. We'll we'll have to agree to disagree on lost. But the idea that our revolution was formed as his organization, it's not his organization. It's an an organization based on... His his followers that want Medicare for all, mm-hmm. that want a higher minimum wage, that want tuition free public university, mm-hmm. it's an it's a policy based organization, yeah. and it's not about Bernie. It's and he often this. will say, he says this isn't about me, this is about all of but you. But there's there's also a smear just sort of buried in this, which yeah. is Bernie's army, which is now we've seen that twice. Oh yeah. Um, this is the new way of saying the Bernie Bros. The Bernie Bros. Which yeah, I agree. which again the implication is he has some cult like army following. Yeah. Which of course he he doesn't, and it wasn't the intention but again, of our revolution. They're Clintonites. They're projecting. They do have a cult like Aryan, bought and paid for, and yes, exactly, entirely devoted. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> and here he goes on to say, our revolution has shown no ability to to tip a major democratic election in his favor. I don't understand how they're making this claim. So yeah. So what's the fallacy there? Well, Scotsman. Yeah, but, no true Scotsman. <laughs> um, because any any election won by our revolution is not, by definition, a major election. Yeah. So they haven't won any major elections. They won a shit ton of elections. Right. Right. I mean, let's okay. Let's let's break that down for a yeah. second. The DCCC targeted forty-one races in twenty sixteen and won only twelve of them. What's the win rate at our revolution thus far? Not counting this morning, it was fifty percent. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. So for that. my point is, is already. Already, yeah. our revolution is having much greater success than the DCCC exactly. is. But this is how if you But does this guy bring that up? Of course he doesn't. But this is this is how if you're reading this an article like this, and maybe some people who haven't followed it as closely are getting worried about Bernie, how do you detect the smears? Well, one of the things is an extensive review. Okay, there's no ex- no evidence that they did an extensive review or anything we would agree was an ex- extensive review. Um, the organi- organization in disarray, again, no evidence provided that the organization is in disarray. And then we have even snubbing uh, candidates aligned with Sanders. Right. You know, and I skipped the operating primarily. And again, primarily is another one of these weasel words. Operating primarily as a promotional, as a promotional, where did I lose my place? Um, as a promotional vehicle for its leader and snubbing candidates. Okay, support that. Show us a link to where this happened. The other thing that you notice if you go through this entire article, there's not a single embedded link. This is so this guy can just put his opinion out there and basically not back it up with anything but what he's saying in the article. Yeah, like, for example, to, to that note right here, it says critics of the Vermont Independent have been worried he'd have a juggernaut in waiting, blah, 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 blah. Who are these critics? He doesn't quote anybody. This is, he just keeps making yeah. these blanket statements. This critics the, of, supporters the, here. The famous Fox News, some people say, some say. Some say. That Bernie is in trouble. So Who they, says that? Yeah, so they did um, briefly at some point speak to Jane Cleep because there is 
really only, I think this is the only quote from a, our revolution board member in the entire thing. And it just says, our revolution is going through some grow, growing pains. I think that's a fair assessment. The organization is, what, one year old? Remember yeah. that the organization is being constantly under attack from the centrists. As somebody who's been under attack from the centrists, what's happening is that people who are on the board, people who are friendly to our revolution are getting phone calls saying, are you sure you want to support them? Are mm-hmm. you sure you want to be on the board? This will limit your, your success when the establishment takes control. You know, this is, this is no, what they're right. all hearing. So here's the thing. None of these folks are named. So it says right off the top, among the findings of political examination of our, our revolution, based on interviews with two dozen sources inside and outside the organization, you know, I know for a fact from speaking with one of the board members that – you know, the situation where they're discussing, they've only brought in the uh, Figaro, mm-hmm. where she made some anti-immigration comments, and they were awful comments. I agree that they're bad comments. Yeah. But her hiring was never brought to the board level, and political is claiming that it was. So that's a false claim right there that I went ahead and verified within five minutes. Yeah. So why, I'm not a reporter, so why, I'm a philosopher, I'm not a mm-hmm. reporter, why, it took me five minutes to verify whether that was true or not. I don't understand why journalists... In, in the name of integrity, don't take a, the time out to have those questions answered from somebody in that position. Well, I mean, we know why. It's a smear job. They well, want to promote a neoliberal agenda against a progressive one. But this is supposed to be a publication yeah. that that's, considers itself um, a leftist, journalistic, mm-hmm. integrity sort of organization. And it, th- this is like the probably the 20th time in the last year they've published a smear job yeah. that... And- was not grounded in fact. And here's the biggest sign it's a smear job, is they name Teslin Figaro. And we agree, we both agree that what she said was pretty pretty out of bounds. I mean, yeah. I don't know how else to characterize it. I mean, yeah. I think it was a shitty thing to it say. It was a shitty thing to say. It sounded like a right-wing It sounded very point. right-wing, yeah. and it, would be, it was very concerning. But who is not quoted in this article is Teslin Figaro. No. So if you name someone and you base your entire premise of the article on this you individual talk to them. and you don't even call them for a comment or don't even have anything in the article that says we tried to call Ms. Figaro for a comment and she didn't return our call, anything like that. They did not try to get in touch with her before writing this gigantic smear and using her to attack our revolution. Yeah, so <laughs> I agree. You know, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of Nina Turner, so let's just put that right out there. Me I too. Think. And, you know, and again, now we've got a quote from Lucy Flores, who resigned. Based on the amount of time she has spent doing that outward-facing work, that would be a logical question to ask. Well, then, you know what? Go ask Nina. Yeah. And, you know, again, Lucy is somebody that's already, you know, for me, when she interfered in our District 34 in the way she did, I lost a lot of respect for her as an activist because... You know, why is, um, you know, Dr. Ron Birnbaum, who was running against Wendy Carrillo, is mm-hmm. also uh, of Latin descent. He's from Argentina, and he's mm-hmm. Jewish. So let's not pretend he's the white guy. They tried to paint him as the white guy. Yeah. One of, In fact, I had a uh, was at a town hall, and he was referred to as a white guy. And I was like, Ron Birnbaum is not a white guy. Yeah. So, but, but beyond that, Ron Birnbaum gets behind Medicare for All. Mm-hmm. He understands tuition-free public. Like, he's, he's supporting the platform. Mm-hmm that we agree with in our revolution. Your candidate, Lucy, doesn't. Yeah. Right, and then it goes on to say, members of the national board, meanwhile, have griped privately that Turner has used the group to advance her own causes. Again, I reached out to some board members and was told the opposite was true. Disingenuous. Yeah, and again, griped privately, do you have a quote? 
I mean, you even have an on-background quote that you can you can bring up. Um, so how do we know what these gripes are? What are they saying? Are they saying like, yeah, you know, I'm not not a big fan of Tesla, or are they saying, oh, this is horrible and it violates all our principles? I mean, he wants to make it look like the board is turning against Nina Turner, and that is not the case. I'm not you buying can, it. You can go I'm through, not buying it. I, I you know. you can go through, and we we might. You, I mean, you could go through every paragraph, every sentence in both of these articles. And you will find them just trying to basically propagandize you. To, to use use of weasel words is incredibly high. I mean, what is what are John? What do you define as a weasel word? I define weasel words. A weasel word as something that gives you future wiggle room to say, "No, I didn't lie. I totally didn't <laughs> lie. Um, I just might have used you okay. know wording that led you to believe something completely different." But through some lens that I can reparse, uh, those words were accurate, okay. and and this is this is a um, it's the some say thing. People raise concerns. Um, I mean, you can you can go through this and just pick out all of the all of the weasel words against this, um, you know. But Sanders, who's legally separated from our revolution. In other words, they say he's legally separate from our revolution, yet this is somehow his army and his organization. That they, it's not. So they, they can't not. even go three paragraphs without contradicting. He yeah. can't even go three paragraphs. Right. Who is this clown? Edward Isaac. Oh. He's, you Never know. Never trust anybody with a hyphenated first name. Oh. Right, right, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to disagree on that one. Okay. <laughs> you can blame my parents for that. I'm... So, you know, um, IPM, our, one of our favorite leftist organizations, came out with some memes to sort of kind of set the rec- make the record clear on really some of the Our Revolution data. Uh, you know, sent 2 million peer-to-peer text messages, launched 401 groups worldwide because they have all the local organizations. Yes, in exactly. Uh, facilitating 11,693 events, endorsed over 175 candidates and 175 races, past 24 ballot initiatives for one year. That's incredible. That's incredible. This is you know, how you build a movement. This is how you build a movement. I mean, we could also talk about folks like Paula Jean Swearingen, who just, yes, she lost her primary to Joe Manchin, but I'm sorry, she had hardly any name recognition going into that election. Right. Very little money. She didn't have the backing of the DCCC, yeah. and she still took 30% of the primary vote. That is a win, in my opinion. I mean, maybe she didn't win the primary, but that is, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. That well, that's a big, uh, and also you can look at Paula Jean's race and 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 learn lessons from it. So it's not like, oh, I mean, and this is the other thing that is in their thinking. You know, the Democrats lose eleven hundred seats in eight years, and what's the response? I don't think we need a change in direction. Well, you know what? When Paula Jean lost to the biggest idiot in the Senate, Joe Manchin. You better believe people looked at yeah. that and said, how can we change direction? How can we make sure that we do better against these colossally terrible candidates? They, they don't care. I mean, you run a Republican against a Republican, and the Republican's more than likely going to win. I think Manchin's renting a seat. I don't think he's going to win. Yeah. yeah. But and- here's the thing. By, by, by putting their thumb on the scale, by the yeah. DNC, the DCCC, every time they put their thumb on a scale in a primary and they choose an established corporate candidate over a progressive, mm-hmm. they now have alienated... A, a big chunk of their voter base who is not going to turn out in the general and vote. Yeah. This is a bad strategy. How many times do they have to fucking do the same thing and not learn their lesson? It's almost like they really don't want to win, isn't it? 
That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. But so, but the thing with um, with Mansion especially that just killed me was that Tom Perez tweet. Oh, Jesus. The night of <laughs> night of the primary when he said we've had some great Democratic victories. victories. They were okay. primaries. Like, they what were do you primaries. mean? If <laughs> either one of them run, but the corporate, the, no. the corporate like NRA A plus yeah, dude beat yeah. Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, and the, meant, the, I know. the corporate know. dude whose uh, whose daughter is killing people who need epipens. So the uh, also right. and that's what Tom Perez calls a great, a great Democratic vic- victory. victory. And and I tweeted back to Tom. I said, "You do know you have to win the general, don't right. you?" Right. I don't think. I think that was a, a slip of the tongue. I think it was a Freudian slip. I think he that is him acknowledging that the that the, the folks they wanted yeah. the corporate candidates they prevailed and that made him happy well, so again are, what is he doing here besides alienating half the pro- progressive base i mean they're yeah. they don't get it. it and 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 these are the same people who think hillary cheating a, a right. fringe uh, socialist out of the nomination and then losing to orange hitler was, the was same a people great false. democratic victory right. right so they because they want it they want to play it Hashtag both ways she won still withering yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is this is the argument they make. Mm-hmm. We don't need your vote, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep punching left. Then when they lose, it becomes we lost because of you. You're a purity person. Yeah. You you know it's like you can't have it both. Either you need us or you don't. And the fact of the matter is, you do need us. Forty two percent of the country is registered independent. Most mm-hmm. of those folks are left leaning. Yeah. But if you keep alienating them, you're going to keep losing elections. Yeah. And they they. Uh, it, it's either they don't seem to get that or they don't care. They don't care. Um, but before before we leave this article, I just want to go over okay. the paragraph that, that, that sort of sums it all up. And it's in the middle. It starts with some Sanders stalwarts worry. Some standard. Who are these? Some <laughs> Sanders. So this is what I call Weasel Wars, right? Yeah. Some. Who? How many? Right? Who? Stalwarts. What do you mean stalwarts? Who? You mean people yes. who... Because they worry. So this is basically what, what we call on, on the interwebs. Concern trolling. So yeah. you raise a concern that might exist, right? And and then he contradicts himself immediately, saying, though Sanders himself continues to reshape democratic politics, blah, 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 blah. This is our revolution's agenda. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is helping with it, and it's being incredibly successful. Yeah. But the best part is They're the last... They're running scared. The best part in this is the last sentence, where he totally tips his hand, and he basically... Re- he basically reveals his agenda for the smear, which is supporters warn, who? Weasel, weasel, right? Supporters mm-hmm. warn that the senator himself will suffer if the group formed in his name is seen as weak and floundering. Okay? <laughs> so what he's saying is, yeah. here's an article intentionally falsifying data and in, intentionally just just bending the truth to make Bernie Sanders look uh, weak and floundering. A Hospera. Yeah, it's sort of Hospera for centrists. That's right. Which brings us to my next article that we should discuss. Sure. So apparently there's a place in hell for women that don't support other women that are running for office unless their names are Hillary Clinton. Yeah, exactly. Hillary Clinton came out the next day and endorsed Andrew Cuomo for governor over Cynthia Nixon. Yes. And if the irony of this isn't lost on you, then you are living under a rock. I mean, this is unfucking believable. Yeah. I couldn't believe when I saw this. Now watch all the self-declared vagina voters just right. sort of quietly pull their pussy hats over, over their, their eyes. eyes and ignore this. <laughs> I, know. I just I can't. 
because, of course, it's not about supporting uh, women. It's about supporting women that don't make you nervous about losing your right. bougie status in life. It's bougie-tastic. Bougie-tastic. Yeah, so this to me is just the capper of all cappers because... Here you have this incredible candidate, Cynthia Nixon, who has thrown her hat in the race. Mm -hmm. She is very intelligent, very well informed. Um, I've been quite impressed with her, with her candidacy run so far. And here you have on the other side, Andrew Cuomo, who is somebody who has sided with Republicans, was involved in the formation and the defense of the IDC. Of if you don't know who the IDC is, it's the Independent Democratic Caucus in New York. They pretty much had a power-sharing deal with Republicans. Mm -hmm. And this group, because of that, this group was able to thwart all kinds of progressive legislation for over a decade. And uh, (laughs) I just... So here here we are. We have a chance to run a female candidate Mm -hmm. who is not only intelligent, smart, well-spoken, knows her stuff, strong-willed, is the total package, and what does Hillary Clinton do? She endorses the guy that might as well be a Republican. Mm-hmm. Is there a special place in hell for Hillary Clinton? I think there's like an entire hell for Hillary. <laughs> I speak. I think the special place in hell for all of us would be next to Hillary Clinton. But, you know, also let's talk about just a second about the IDC because it's such a microcosm of the Democratic Party in general. New York is probably the the most or the second most Democratic state in the country. And what do they do? Do they pursue a Democratic supermajority so they could get Medicare for all or a single payer in New York in the the second most populous state? Can we do anything like that? No. What are we going to do? We're going to once again pre-concede to the Republicans who have no business sharing power in a state run by Democrats. Well, okay, so here's the interesting part from Mm -hmm. my perspective of that equation. Uh, New York obviously is the home of major finance. You've got Wall Street, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, in my opinion, and I I mean there might be people that have a different opinion, in my opinion the IDC was formed from that particular value. I think this is... Wall Street money. I think this is bankster money. Yeah, exactly. I think this is the wealthy one percenters not wanting to pay higher taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the guy from the CEO from Paychecks, uh, mm-hmm. Tom, Tom Galassano, I'm forgetting his name right now. Mm-hmm. He um, part of this story was he formed a separate party to run as an independent. Mm-hmm. You know, back in your role and responsible New York's role in the recent state Senate standoff. I think we had a substantial role in it, Vic, and let me give you a little bit of the background on it. After last year's November election, it was very apparent that the Democrats were taking over the New York State Senate. They were going to have a majority rule of, I think, 32 to 30 members. We had many conversations with Malcolm Smith about physical conservatism, keeping taxes down, helping us with upstate real estate taxes, reforms that we thought were very important for our legislature to adopt, both in the Senate and the Assembly. And Malcolm made a lot of commitments to us about these issues. As the spring rolled out, none of the reforms were being introduced. We saw what happened to the budget. I mean, in New York State, when you are in a recession year and you have a 9% budget increase, I mean, the state that I moved to had an 8% budget decrease to show you the difference in mentality. And all these new levels of taxation at all levels of our society, and not only you know people at the high end, we said, this is, this is not right. 
And Pedro Espada, who's a downstate senator, uh, felt the same way. So he contacted us and said, myself and Hiram uh, Montserrat would be willing to vote with Republicans for a new speaker and for some of these reforms. And um, he was also involved in the formation of the IDC because he set up the initial meetings between a couple of the Democrats that were the turncoats mm -hmm. and the establishment Republicans in the state Senate. So he was one of the go-betweens between these folks. Yeah. Um, and anybody that is interested in reading more about this actually did a piece on this particular situation for mm -hmm. Actify Press. So ah. you can read up there. But I think what I think what I'm getting at what matters is is this is again the one percent plutonomy. Mm -hmm. against everybody else. And the plutonomy, no matter whether they define themselves as Democrats or Republicans, they side together against any progressive change. And it really pisses me off because I'm so fucking tired of Clintonites and their support supporters defending these positions yeah. and then turning around and claiming that they are for the people, that they're against the banks, and that they want regular, you know, go down the list of exactly. things. And I don't understand why they don't see through the, um, the fog of the shit that they're being fed time and time again. How is it not clear to them at this point? Because they're not being fed anything but shit, so they can't, don't have anything to compare it to. So when you tell them, like, you know, so I had a Twitter conversation mm -hmm. with somebody, and I explained to them who the IDC, because they didn't know. I'm yeah. like, okay, if you don't know, fine, but let mm -hmm. me explain this to you. To have that explained to you and to still double down yeah. is where I kind of do the face palm. It's like, well, right. then, you know. Well, then you don't, you don't, you don't want to learn or you don't want to have your, your little bubble shaken or disturbed at all. Uh, I mean, but this is the thing that Jimmy Dore always says is in yeah. these democratic states where you have Democrats running everything, what do the Democrats do? Do they push a progressive agenda? No. no. What happened in California is the Democrats become the Republicans. Right. It's the Democrats who are standing in the way of single payer in California. Oh my God, yes it is. Coster Hawkins, let's yeah. talk about that a second again. This is a Democrat bill. Yeah. This was not pushed by the Republicans in the state. This is a bill pushed by the neoliberal Democrats. Mm -hmm. And it's been very devastating. And to now, to tie this back into the initial conversation, to now mm -hmm. hear that Wendy Carrilla, who won the election, yeah. I went to the town hall and her aide told me point blank that Wendy does not support overturning Coster Hawkins. Yeah. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, I'm done. Wendy does not get my support. So we're exactly. having another election primary on June 5th. I plan, and hear me now, folks, I plan on voting for the Green Party candidate. Yeah. Ken. Hi, Ken. Who I, who's a guy I really like. He if actually run, He ran as a Democrat in the primary as well. Yeah. But I can't get behind these folks anymore. If you're going to tell me you don't support Medicare for all, mm -hmm. and you're going to tell me that... A, a bill like Coaster Hawkins, which pretty much gave all the power to the real estate developers mm -hmm. at the expense of minimum wage folks and other low-paid job folks it's, in the state where they're the living reason, in their goddamn yeah. fucking cars. Yeah, it's a reason that working people can't afford to live in San Francisco, can't afford to live right. in most cities in the East Bay, including uh, Oakland. It's getting increasingly hard to find affordable housing in Oakland, which should, should have... Like a so lot of affordable. Let, John, let's talk yeah. about that for a second, because I often talk about the situation here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You live in the Bay Area. Yeah. You worked for Pixar for a time, which is there in Emory, Emory, Emeryville. Couldn't yes. get that out, which yes, is exactly. right outside of the Oakland area. Yeah. So from the period of time when Coaster Hawkins took effect 
up until now, did you see a progression of real estate developers coming in, tearing down the older buildings, real bidding, rebuild, rebuilding them up so that they were uh, exempt from the rent control? Was that a thing that happened there as well? It's a plague. It's a plague. It's, it's, it's worse. It's, they're problem. doing this all the time. They they rebuild the older buildings, and also they rebuild them incredibly shittily. I don't know if you remember the story when the bunch of Irish exchange. It's okay. We're here to listen. Breaking down in the middle of a committee hearing. A survivor of the Berkeley balcony collapse calling for sweeping changes to building safety laws. You should ensure that all balconies... 22-year-old Aoife Beery was celebrating her 21st birthday when tragedy struck. Last June, a wooden deck gave way, plunging 13 people, many of them Irish exchange students, four stories to the ground. Beery was one of seven who survived. Well, I had to deal with the loss of my friends. I also had to deal with all my own injuries, which included a traumatic brain injury, open heart surgery, broken arms, hands, pelvis, and jaw, along with losing all my teeth. Her mother by her side, urging lawmakers to pass Senate Bill 465, saying the collapse could have been avoided if the Contractors State License Board knew about previous issues. People are shocked that such a tragedy could happen, and it has shone a light on building standards which has shocked the Irish community. Turns out Segway Construction, the company that built the apartment complex, had paid out more than $26 million in settlements over balcony problems that were never reported to the board. If the construction board had been aware of past issues with our balconies, the death of these six kids could have been prevented. Jackie Donahue lost her daughter Ashley. And think about your own kids. This grief-stricken mom from Sonoma County also testified, saying the bill will prevent future incidents by requiring contractors to disclose any settlements from lawsuits involving defects, fraud, or negligence. She'll never get married. Her father will never walk her up the aisle. And her cousin Olivia will never be our bridesmaid. Brian Heap, KCRA 3 News. This was 2015. Wow. Um, wow, really? I remember that because... Um, one one Arthur and I want to say Matt Iglesias, but I don't think it was. Did the whole article about look at the drunken Irish? They had this coming. It was oh in the my. New York Times. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it was me? in the New York Times. No, no. And, and basically, what happened is what happens no. in every party everyone's ever been at is a group goes out on the balcony to yes. smoke or whatever. Talking about drunk so, Irish, what an asshole. So the balcony just basically came off, and they showed that they used substandard wood and they didn't secure it the way they were supposed yeah. to. And this is this is what all of these new developments. Are, are like these guys are just trying to cash in um, that's actually shocking that that passed inspection though i mean because we have this strong earthquake coating what i mean wow so yeah the the thing that they didn't do um that led to to the collapse was they didn't properly waterproof mm. it so it got in there and rotted the wood and oh i and see then it collapsed so um, dry watch just weakened okay so it may be it may be a hole in the inspection or whatever but um, basically, these guys had no idea how to build a safe balcony, and they didn't do it. Or it was too expensive, and they didn't do it. Yeah. So, you know, that's just tragic. But but what we're seeing in, in the East Bay is is just a bunch of real estate speculation. That's all that's going on is, is and, and I'm sure it's happening in, in San Francisco. I'm just not seeing it outside my right. window. Right. But what you see is you go to downtown Berkeley, and there... Uh, on every block, there are vacant businesses. Why? 
because a lot of foreign nationals come in and they purchase these businesses as land investment. Right, And right. they just hold them. This was the same thing that was all around the Grenfell story as well, that a lot of you know Saudi purchasers and Chinese purchasers were coming in yeah. and, and buying these buildings and just Hold holding on. them to as a way to park their money. Uh, and of course, one thing that I kept reminding people locally is that if the TPP ever goes into effect, Berkeley could be sued in international court for putting in what we're trying to do, which is a vacancy tax, which is if you just sit there and sit on a vacant building, we're going to start taxing you every month that thing sits empty. Huh. That is an interesting way to deal with it. Uh, you know, here in L.A., we've our problem, we've had some of that too, but our mm-hmm. other problem we have is hedge funds coming in and buying up real estate. Yes, it's also, it's also, it's anybody, any rich person anywhere in the world who's looking for a place to park their money. California right, real right. estate is actually... Oh, it's out of control. It, it's, it's actually, a, you know, from that 1% perspective or yeah. 0.1%, it's... It's a good investment, but what it does is it just continually drives up, drives up housing. For example, and we don't have anything replacing it affordable housing wise. There's literally no. We have vouchers here in LA, mm -hmm. Section Eight vouchers for veterans, where they can't find any Section Eight housing. It just doesn't exist. And the other thing is for the for middle class people who are looking to buy a home, you can't. Oh, it's impossible. The reason you can't is because you're not allowed to have a mortgage. Because what happens is the hedge funds or the billionaire uh, investors come in and they pay cash, no contingencies. So it's just like you want this much. We'll give you, you this much compete, plus yeah. all this extra, and yeah. then and then we'll. It's the banksters, you know. They've screwed us over every other which way, and now yeah. they're, now they're screwing us over when it comes to housing. I don't know how, why are people not picking up their pitchforks and flipping the hell out of beyond me at this point because I don't know how much worse it can get. Well, because a new episode of Westworld is on. Right. I mean, this is the thing that I was just thinking about this. Yeah, the this guy morning. that owns. I can't watch that show anymore. Now I know about the. Uh, oh, mine uh, and Sierra Gold, Leone. Jeffrey yeah, Jeffrey just, Goldmine. Right? Oh, I just yeah. love it though because his because Jeffrey himself, if you show him something contradicting what he's just said, he literally gives you the Bernard. Doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> I, he, he, that's his attitude. He just completely yeah. ignores it. Yeah, no, I I did a few rounds with him on Twitter. Uh, yeah, he's terrible. But um, you know, I gotta get I gotta give it to him. You know, we're progressives. We should be honest. This guy's a fucking good actor. He's no, he actor. is. That's why I was so disappointed with that. I was like, oh, yeah. this is just so painful. No. Um, so well, it's like when I learned Brian Cranston was a was a Hillary guy. I was like, oh, oh that's not breaking really, no, bad. Don't be breaking bad away bad, from me, right? So I wanted to also talk a little bit about Gail McLaughlin. Um, she's yeah. running for lieutenant governor in the state in the primary on June 5th. She's mm-hmm. running NPP, which means no party. It's, in, it's our equivalent in the state of California as being not affiliated with the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gail was, um, she was the mayor of Richmond, which is yeah. in the Bay Area, not too mm-hmm. far from you. And she did some amazing things in Richmond. I mean, she was balls to the wall. She's been endorsed by Our Revolution. Yeah. I've had her on the podcast a couple weeks back. She's a great interview if anybody wants to go back and listen to it. But one of the things that she did that I found entirely fascinating was she used eminent domain mm-hmm. when um, against the banks when they were foreclosing on, yes. a lot, on the housing there in Richmond. And it was a big problem for her city because... The, uh, I think it was, rate was like, I think she told me over 50% or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very high rate and it was yeah. causing, so I, I thought that was a great, brilliant, unique way. I mean, why can't she push back against them the way they push back against us? And she had given the, oper- when she tells the story, she said, I gave them the opportunity to renegotiate the mortgages. They had mm-hmm. that chance 
And if they weren't willing to play ball, yeah, this is what we did. So anyway, this went to the level though that Congress, mm-hmm. the United States Congress, passed a bill targeting this very act, saying that you couldn't use eminent domain. So, which is unfortunate, but I'm. I would really like to see Gail win this election. Mm-hmm. I think it would be good for the state. What is your opinion on Gail? Have you been following this I've election? I've been following Gail. I, I got a, a, a detailed introduction to her in, in Alameda where, where Nina Turner came to, to speak and she was also uh, promoting Pamela Price. And- hey, area. Make the earth shake for the honorable Nina Turner. Thank you, Mark. Bay Area in the house. I love you guys. I love the people. Let me not gender it. I love the people. Wow, between Mark and Javanka and Gail and Pamela, I mean, what else is there left for a sister to say? It's all been said. Oh my goodness, it's just such a pleasure to be here. As Gail was mentioned, I started off in Vegas. I was there for, for one of our candidates there, Amy Valella, who's running with Gail last night in LA. And now I'm here for Gail, Javanka, and Pamela all in one place and here with you. I want to give a big shout out to our revolution groups who organized this, to Carol, to Mark. Just thank you all so much for what you've done. I want to give a big shout out to Mayor Gus Newport, former Mayor Berkeley, who's in the house. You got a living legend in the house. Come on, give it up. Wow. So my sisters did that. Again, I just thank Mark for that wonderful introduction. Now he laid out some of my, you know, some of the things I, I do. And I was just saying to Javonka, some folks was hissing, don't hiss now at CNN now. You need a progressive voice on CNN, so don't, don't, don't hiss. I try to hold it down for the progressives. Glad to be on. Man, so, you know, I was listening to Pamela. I know she had to go to another event, but that heart and soul that she gave, what it takes to be a district attorney, the type of district attorney that you need, not just in this area, but all across this country. I was really touched when she said, we want to protect public safety by advancing justice. She didn't say by locking folks up. She said by advancing justice. Now, from time to time, that may mean some folks might have to be locked up, but that's not the position that you start with. Because everybody deserves a second, sometimes third, fourth, fifth chance, depending on what they did. Redemption is a beautiful thing. We got to get Sister Pamela in that office. Okay. Which is really somebody you should look into, a civil rights attorney running for, um, not attorney general, district attorney in in Alameda. That's where some real change can take place, especially for communities that are really targeted by law enforcement. Um, but the thing that I really liked about her, besides this, I really loved the, 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 the eminent domain tactic. But she's also fought Chevron. You know, for yeah, those of you who don't know right. the geography, Richmond lives in the shadow yeah. of, of this giant Chevron refinery. And there's all sorts of safety concerns. I mean, if something went wrong with that, 
refinery. Right. Uh, it would definitely be Richmond that had to deal with it first. And what happened was they spent, Chevron spent millions in, believe it or not, city council races right. to true. defeat her agenda. Yep. And all of these Chevron trolls basically yep. lost. That's right. Chevron just threw a bunch of money away. Uh, to to try and to try and take over the Richmond City Council and Richmond, of course, was was smart enough and progressive enough to kick these idiots to the curb. Uh, it's a huge defeat for for Chevron, and and if Gail can do that as a mayor, oh yeah, she'd yeah. be phenomenal. I would I would love to see her win this race, and I would also love to see her continue on and, and actually run for governor at some point. Yes, um, I think one of the main main problems also with the Chevron situation is we have a bill, as you know. Prop 13 here in California. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand that most people, they, their affinity with Prop 13 is they think it pro, it, pro, it protects residential landowners, right. property owners. It does only some of them. Uh -huh. Like folks like me that bought, like when I bought my house, the, mm -hmm. the older gal that lived in this house was paying $400 a year in taxes. I pay over 6000 a year. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of how you, it sort of pushed the, the uh, liability forward. The liability is still there. It's just being being taken up by folks like me. That by by people trying but to no, buy the homes time, no. I don't particularly want to see older folks kicked out of their homes either if we raise the taxes and got rid of Prop 13. I understand that argument as well. That would be mm -hmm. very bad as well. But here's the thing. Prop 13 also exempted corporate landowners. Exactly. So the Chevron refinery in Richmond, mm -hmm. that they've owned that bill. They pay nothing yeah. Nothing in property tax. Exactly. And they are not the only ones. There are corporations all up and down the state of California that are paying next to nothing in property taxes. Mm -hmm. So my proposal is that when we look at Prop 13, one of the things that we should consider is eliminating that exemption. It's time that the corp... Look, the corporations in this state use all of our public goods. Right. And if they can't be bothered with paying taxes or, or on, their, on their profits... Yeah. Then the very least they should fucking pay yeah. taxes on the property. They so like Nestle's state. been stealing oh God, our don't water. Oh Yeah, I won't do Nestle. But they've been. They, they're, they're, terrible, not paying, yeah. they're not paying property tax. Now my position. And they on are. They're stealing our water. They're stealing our public water. My position on property taxes is is a little different. I'm okay. I am not in favor of them for a primary residence, uh, and the reason is you have a lot of, of of old people who are living in houses that they've right. lived in for years, and they can't freaking breathe on those houses. Uh, for fear of their property tax going up because they can't afford it. Uh, and okay, hang on, hang on. Let's. Ex I think we need to explain that to the audience. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but people out of California won't. So part of the way Prop 13 works, this mm -hmm. is just so everybody understands what we're talking about, part of the yeah. way Prop, Prop 13 works is, say, for example, mm -hmm. I get my house refinanced mm -hmm. and they do another appraisal on it. Mm -hmm. My property taxes are now going to go up because it's going to be based on what the appraisal number is. And also part of that is if you do work on your house and you pull a permit, mm -hmm. and that also increases the value. Yeah. So now you're going to be um, reassessed your taxes on the new value of or the house. Or you want to take a second mortgage or anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. So I just want to make sure the audience understands what you're talking about when you talk about Yes, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the other thing, I mean, and because I don't think schools should be funded through, through uh, residential property tax because what – what that initiative is, if you propose, say, funding schools through a progressive income tax, what you will see is, of course, the 1%, the neo-libs uh, and the establishment will scream bloody murder. Oh, yeah. And the reason is that that will mean instead of pouring their money into their little cherub's high school, 
right? That money will have to go to those people who also need their schools funded. And it's, the property tax is, all, is a way to lock in poor and wealthy school districts into their fate. And I'd I, I much rather see it. I'd much rather see it funded by progressive income. Now, they have changed our property tax funding of schools, so that's not happening as much anymore. So okay. it used to be... Uh, it's still not corrected though. But mm-hmm. again, just so when I backtrack, I'm explain to the audience. I understand yeah. what you're saying. So in California, for example, if you live in Beverly Hills, which is a very low population density with a very extremely pricey real estate, mm-hmm. so there are fewer kids mm-hmm. and there's very expensive housing. So because there's expensive housing, the property taxes are infinitely higher. Yeah. Then if you come into an area like downtown Los Angeles mm-hmm. or um, Boyle Heights or some of these other areas where you have a high uh, density rate of, 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 of folks there because there's a lot of apartment buildings, mm-hmm. there's a lot of poverty. You have an extremely large amount of kids with very low property values. So, so this idea that there's a quality of opportunity is completely lost because obviously if you look at a per capita number, the kids in Beverly Hills are getting three times the amount per kid than the mm-hmm. kid in downtown LA is. Yeah. So they have tried to correct this. I will say this has been something... Um, this been obvious for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it's entirely corrected yet, but it's not as severe as it is because now the, the state has now been taking funding from the city municipalities and spreading it out more evenly in response. Yeah, and of course the one percent were screaming about that. Oh, of course they were. Yeah. I mean, and there and, and in fact there are worse areas. If you go to like um, Ballard, which mm-hmm. is in Santa Barbara County, it's in wine country there. Mm-hmm. They the money they have per kid for for just even kindergarten and, mm-hmm. and um, grammar school is insane because it's just such a wealthy oh, area yeah. with very few kids in it. Yeah. So I don't know what Well, the other thing, so the, the, my have. final thing that I don't like property tax is and how it hurts working people is you never actually own your home. Because you always pay taxes on because, okay. because if you don't pay taxes on it, you will lose your home. It's effectively you're, you're paying rent to the government on your primary residence. All right, so let me... Let me ask you a question. I mm-hmm. actually I don't have a problem with property tax mm-hmm. per se versus another. My thing just is, primary residence property tax. That's the only. Property. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you're saying that you have an investor that has. Okay, so wait. Let's. That's an interesting point, and I think that's fair. So part of this new tax bill that mm-hmm. GOP and, and President Trump put through, and I don't know part of. I don't know that people followed the entire. But we got hung up on a few big things that were a problem. But one of the things that gets little discussion mm-hmm. is. There's now a write-off for property developers that never existed before. Yep. yep. So this is, um, God, it's just like the one percent's just yeah sucking everything up. If you have pass-through income like an LLC or something like this, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. now a tax that. In fact, um, Amy Valella and I were talking about yeah. this. She's a, a uh, she's a CFO, so she does finance. Yeah. But. Okay, so if we eliminate that, I, yeah. I digress there for a second, but if we eliminate that, my question is, where do we collect our revenue? I don't care how we collect revenue as long as it's fair and efficient. Well, eliminating the, the primary residence income tax, uh, property tax, if you if you enforce corporate property tax and, and secondary residence, you know, millionaires who have, you know, houses at Lake Tahoe, uh, or you put a... 
you put a, a cap over which you start charging property tax for a, a certain level of homeowner. All right, you got me on that one. Yeah. I, I could agree with that. Uh, but I'm talking about you know these these elderly couples who yeah. are living in a home that they bought for sixty thousand yeah. dollars in 1970, right. and then some something happens. Maybe they have to take a loan out on their home, and all of a sudden they're paying twenty thousand dollars a year in, in property, property tax. taxes. Yeah. Uh, that that's. Uh, you know, definitely the opposite of a progressive tax. It is the opposite. And, you know, part of the problem is the way Prop 13 functioned is it mm -hmm. literally transferred all the liability. So it was too severe. It cut the first group down so severely that they had yeah. to get the money from the second group. Yeah. It wasn't fair and, as and far as... And that's the thing is the cor corporate property owners, developers have so many ways around this. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, anything, anytime you hear the Democrats or the Republicans proposing any kind of tax reform, what you're really hearing is how can we shift the tax burden away from corporations and the wealthy and onto working people mm -hmm. and the poor. And mm -hmm. that's always what they're going to do. Right. And they may put a few more dollars in your pocket and it may look like you're getting a tax cut, but they're going to take something else away. So my income tax went down for me uh, with the Trump tax bill. but. It's hey, temporary. The, it was the blue. It was the blue screw, right? Where they blue, went yeah. after. You're going to get 500 bucks so, this year, and then it's not going to be permanent. Yeah, it's a little. It's a minor. Up. It's a minor drop in taxes. Yeah, it's a, but I can't deduct. It's a slight of hand. I can't deduct my property tax. I can't deduct my right. state income. All, all of the stuff that we used to be able to use I'm to keep our heads that. above yeah, water. That's right. In in this incredibly expensive in this incredibly expensive state. Uh, but I think that was their way of screwing over New York and California. I think this was intentional. It was an intentional. It was an intentional because they hit. know our property is more valuable. Yeah, yeah. that the, that that part of the tax reform bill isn't going to touch anybody in Nebraska or right. Texas. And or they also know that Oklahoma that we or, actually have a progressive for what it is a progressive income tax right. in both of those states. Um, so it benefits all of the the red states who have no income tax and they also have no infrastructure. Yeah, no they don't care. System. So yeah. it benefits. I think that was. I think that was an intentional. I think that was a political move, and it wasn't. Yeah. A, and I have to hand it to Trump. It wasn't a dumb one, but it pisses me off. It's, yeah. I, I'm not going to hand it to Trump because there is absolutely zero chance he thought of that. Well, somebody did. In his somebody did. Yeah, I mean, okay. but he, just the fair, last guy fair. who talked to him. You delight. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. I swear, his opinion is based on the last person he talks to, and it switches all the time. I like, he's just amazing. well because he'll tweet something out, and then and then yeah. the congressional no, leadership will come in and say, "Oh, Mr. President." Uh, we need you to adjust your viewpoint, right? And, you know, and and he'll do it. Look, look at how 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 many things he's done a one eighty on from from what he was running on. Right, right, right. So we had gone. I want to talk a little bit about Saturday night. We had gone yeah. to the show Saturday. Night. Lee Camp was in town. It was a great time. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Dore opened, and Abby uh, Martin, Abby Martin, yeah, gave a, a speech there in the middle that was pretty compelling. What did you think the highlight of um, both Lee and Jimmy? Their uh, it was comedy, but they were also getting across specific ideas. Politically. It was, it was, it was comedy. Um, I'll, I'll confess up front that I I am a big fan of of Jimmy Dore. Jimmy and I are friends, um, but even before he and I became friends, I was a I was a follower of his his comedy, and I just yeah. thought he was freaking hilarious yeah uh so I, I oh hell no <laughs> i really enjoyed jimmy's set he's got this yeah, he's pretty funny he, he's got this genius ability 
to say something incredibly dark and pessimistic right. and make you laugh your ass off at yeah. it. Uh, and Lee does that too to, to some extent, but I found a, a lot of Lee's stuff, while riveting, was less uh, less focused on, on funny and more focused on and sort of trying to strike a balance between conveying information and telling a bunch of jokes. Yeah. And there, there, were, there were different experiences. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I and and of course Jimmy is one of Lee's idols, uh, comedy idols. At least is how he describes them. Um, and and it was great seeing them both. I yeah. Mean, if you hang around with Jimmy at all, you know that he is sort of this analyst of comedy, and so he talks about the craft very deeply. Right. He thinks about it very deeply. And and if you get interested in that sort of thing, seeing these two guys approaching the same subject matter, which is difficult subject matter, it's very complex. You're usually bringing an audience along with something that they have never heard before. Right. Okay. If you start talking about uh, stuff, if you start talking about Obama, for example, and how he maybe wasn't such an awesome president, most of your audience has never heard, heard that. such a thing. Yeah. Uh, so you're 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 you just sit there with your ass hanging out in the wind, and you have to turn that into not only bringing them to your point of view enough to share in the joke, but also making right. a joke that makes you laugh. So it's incredibly difficult balancing it. Well, I think he made the point um, <coughs> to that effect. He made the point that I, most leftists, for some reason, or most people on the left, I sh- I'm not sure that they're leftist Democrats, as you're saying, sort of turned a blind eye to a lot of what the Obama administration was doing. Yeah. They didn't want to know. I mean, they, this, you know, for example, I thought he had mentioned maybe the seven countries that were on the Muslim ban. Those those were countries that Obama had been bombing yes, for eight years. That was Jim. That was Jimmy's thing. Yeah, so. and this is this is just a simple fact of the matter. And I remember when that Muslim ban first broke, and right. I looked at the list, and I'm like, does anybody want to talk about the fact that we've been drone bombing these countries yeah. the last eight years? A and B, notice that Saudi Arabia still remains off this list. Yeah. And they are not our ally. I'm sorry. I mean, they're our ally, technically, I suppose. But, yeah. but they, are, they are horrible. They're horrible. I mean, they're funding the terrorists that, <laughs> yeah. that we're fighting against. But, of course, we got to be buddies with them because they're still on the petrodollar. Right, right, right. You know, and I think another uh, theme of the night was just how out of control the Russia hysteria is. And we've seen this Mm -hmm. time and time again. You know, the Hillary Clinton campaign can't possibly ever take accountability for for their own loss. And it just keeps escalating. And I can't believe that here we are now. We're now in a situation where guys like Lee Camp um, and anybody really on RT have to disclose that the RT funding is because they had to... Yeah, they have to call themselves foreign agents. But you have people like... Like Philippe Rains. <laughs> His name is Philippe. It rhymes with creep. Uh, <laughs> and we, he's a sheep. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a he's a he's an arms dealer. He's an arms dealer. And and somehow he's and a allowed complete to, sexist pig on. It's a it. sexist pig, and he is one of the most one of the shittiest progressive or progressive political operators right. you ever want to meet. Um, thing that they get so angry about with pointing out this yeah. is it interferes with their career of continually failing upward. If you keep <laughs> telling them, pointing yeah. out that they're clueless morons who yeah, can't yeah. run a campaign to save their lives, uh, then they may not get the big consulting bucks, which, you know, it's becoming right. more and more apparent that this is what the Democrats are interested in. That's right. Is, and just for the audience that doesn't know Philip Raines it was an operative in the Clinton campaign presidential run mm-hmm. but more importantly he worked for Clinton as as secretary of state so he was yeah. also for a time being 
a government employee. Yeah. And I think it. I think it's also important to point out that Reigns, um, as a lobbyist, not only has he been an arms dealer, but he also represented a company called Data Miner. And with foreign, so he's a foreign lobbyist. So he, yeah. he he's an intermarry between the U.S. government, the U.S. companies, and foreign. So data miner is exactly how yeah. it sounds. It's yeah. a company that mines data. That's I think it's owned five percent by Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the CIA has also invested in them because uh, the Intercept had done a piece on this a while back. Yeah. So uh, Philip was was a lobbyist for that company too. So this guy is exceedingly hypocritical. He's gonna like go on and on about the Russia hysteria and exactly. and and you know the thirteen trolls that you know created the disinformation you know all this crap but here you are representing a company like data miner how is that any different or better being yeah. pro-gun control while you turn around and sell and sell arms yeah i guarantee that no social media site youtube twitter facebook any of them will put a disclaimer in front of oh that he's tweets yeah. that he's a foreign, a foreign he's working for a foreign yeah. lobbyist or even that you're working for a domestic i don't really right. i don't really see the difference because if you're working for Raytheon, right. uh, you're basically working for an international arms That's manager. right. That's right. So, um, and, and I think the other important part of the conversation, guys like Lee Camp, Ed Schultz, Larry King, the journalists that are on RT America mm-hmm. have far more independence and journalistic freedom than anybody at MSNBC does. And we now know that this is true given Ed Schultz's recent um uh, allegations about how Phil Gr- Griffin shut down his covering the Bernie Sanders exactly. campaign um, um, announcement. Yeah, couldn't find that word. Yeah. So, so the idea that that these folks are have to register under far it, it, this is to me is an infringement on the First Amendment. They're journalists. Right. Um, do we make the BBC folk? We should register under I mean, FARA. I mean, we should fair. though if we're going to say RT America. Like, where does well, where's BBC the... is state funded, PBS is state funded, right. and funded by international multinational oil companies, yeah. multinational arms dealers, Arthur Daniels Midland. I mean, all of go down the list. Yeah, and and they are not. They don't have to disclose any of that. No, they funding. don't. Does Center for American Progress have to have to disclose that they're funded by United Arab Emirates? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but they should. I mean, every tweet no, from Mira Tandon should be United Arab Emirates pay this woman's salary. That's right. I don't disagree with you. Which is why you will never see, you know, any kind of examination of the the wars in the Middle East coming from CAP. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, to target. To target these journalists in this way is just such a fucked up thing to do, mm-hmm. especially when the American population is being fed much worse propaganda by corporate-owned media, and they don't even know exactly. it. So, yeah, I thought, so I thought that was an interesting thing that Lee talked about towards the end of his um, routine, and how, as Americans, we needed to put an end to that and sort of yeah. band together and fight against the plutonium. The, Plutonium, the plutonomy, the potato, <laughs> the potato, <laughs> Plato, the potato, um, because you know, and he's right about this. I just, you know, there's so many unwoke Americans that think they're woke. Yeah, yeah, and that's the big thing is the illusion that you're being it's informed and you're not being informed. It's and dangerous. One, one of the things that I would love to see is people putting forward some aggressive litigation against this stuff. Okay, I right. mean, if, if Congress is not 
allowed to make a law infringing on the freedom of the press. Well, what do you think the 96 Telecommunications Act was? Right, But a right, law right. that directly infringes on the freedom of the press. Uh, that law should be challenged, and in a court that wasn't stacked with a, a bunch of corporate whores, it would be overturned. Not not all. Right. Okay, Ruth Bader Ginsburg still rocks. In. Yeah. Notorious RGB. But nonetheless, I also think the uh, problem building on that is the regulatory capture. I mean, you literally yeah. have every every arm of government that's supposed to regulate mm-hmm. industry is now being is now been so stacked with industry people yeah. that they're literally self-regulating and nothing, you know, we see with net neutrality. We go, yeah, we go down the list of things are not self-regulating. Yeah. They're, yeah. So this is this is why we could do an entire show on this. On this why I love could. to see Bernie's attack on right-to-work states mm-hmm. or yeah. at, and at-will employment. Yeah. The workplace democracy movement has got to take off because if we can't get these guys through electoral politics, we should get them through local politics right. where you force them to give the workers a, a say in, in their work. And to me, this is like, you're going to spend 40 hours, or most of us don't work just 40 hours a week. You're going to spend 60 hours slaving away in some environment where it's effectively a dictatorship. Yeah. You know, and interesting uh, to bring up Gail McLaughlin again, mm-hmm. one of the things that she supports is establishing co-ops Yes. in the States. Yeah, so she went and visited one back in uh, Spain. She went to Spain because mm-hmm. they have co-ops there set up. So these are our businesses that are run by the workers. The workers own the company. They're, they vote together. It's sort of a democratic uh, means of yeah. handling management and things. And I think it's a really good idea. Mm. It's a... Uh... And it's the kind of thing where if you're someone, if you're a progressive who's thinking of starting a business, a lot of us Consider are thinking it, of starting yeah. a business. Look into that. I yeah. know yeah. a I lot of us are, a, a lot of us do the LLC thing. Yeah. Uh, but as you were saying before, I'm pretty sure one of the L's in LLC stands for laundering. <laughs> and this is how all these rich people, they form some LLC, they funnel right. their money through it. Oh, no, they'll it form yeah. 20 LLCs, yeah. so like, you have to dig to find out yeah. which is, yeah. But you know, but the idea it's of a having pass, a, it's a pass through organization. It's really not. Yeah, the the idea of having a, a co op and and I was just talking about this uh, with some people, some some good progressives yesterday, uh, about paying just paying people for their labor. Yeah. Okay. You bring in a certain amount of money, you decide uh, a, a fair way to distribute that for everybody's labor, right. and that's what a, that's what a co op, and everybody decides. Right. What on on what that has to be? It is not yet illegal to set up a company to be run like that. No, no. If, and I said not yet because not yet. they're they're trying to get those get them outlawed. Are they really? So we have. Well, a- you know, if they start taking off, just like outlawing solar panels in Florida or outlawing um, <laughs> being we- off the grid or keeping your rainwater, you know that kind of right, stuff. Right. Yeah, keeping you off the grid or yeah. being off the grid is not okay. Okay. So, uh, are you familiar with Winco? The oh yeah. So they're a co-op. Mm-hmm. This is a grocery uh, grocery chain that we have here in California that is owned by the workers. There's not very many of their. There's one down by. Um, so it's literally know. called Winco, the the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I don't know if they're in the Bay Area, but I've, I, never, I've never seen a Winco store. But the Bay Area has just been completely taken over by Safeway. It's, it's Winco Foods. Like yeah. A plague. So, yeah, it's like the plague. But it's an interesting concept that, that they've um, – I hope that they're successful and they start mm-hmm. to spread out into more locations. But there's one down by – towards LAX area, mm-hmm. not too close to me. But 
I was when I read about it, I said like this is the kind of business that I would want to support. Yeah. You know? I mean, this is something that I was—I grew up with in Madison, Wisconsin. We had the the Mifflin Street Co-op and the Woolley Street Co-op. It was—that's where you got your groceries if you were in college. right. So apparently, they're based in Boise, Idaho. I didn't know oh. that. So they're in—they have stores in Arizona, California, Idaho, Nevada, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Washington. So they are pretty spread wow. out. Um, I'll have to see if there's one up by, by us. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a great concept. I hope it takes off more mm-hmm. because I think this takes some of the control back from the 1%. Well, there is nothing, uh, there's no better candidate for forming co-ops than, than grocery stores. I mean, we just had one of our local grocery stores, Andronico's, taken over by Safeway. Ugh. And it was a kind of thing where the Andronico's yeah. people had a relationship with the community. I know everybody right. who worked at that store by name. Uh, and all of a sudden, you come in, and it's just this this corporate yeah. plastic experience. And the same people are working there, but honestly, they're not super happy. I mean, Safeway doesn't give them the kind of kind no. of benefits and attention that that a small That's uh, right. grocer would. That's right. So Indeed. these kind of things can't. I mean, you can you can do them. They're very doable. I just don't know why, especially in California, why we don't have many many more. Yeah, that's the thing. For a state that's known to be a liberal, I'm doing my scare quotes right now, mm-hmm. if you could see me, um, state, we're not as progressive as, as those outside yeah. of the state believe. I honestly want my opinion. I think Washington's a far more progressive state than we are mm-hmm. in many levels. Um, we do have a lot of wealthy neoliberals in the state that mm-hmm. block. They're like the bougetastic, as mm-hmm. the word. They are. They're wealthy. They want to protect their wealth, the and they want. But they yes. But they want to pretend that they are that leftist, like for the people kind of personification, and they're really not. Exactly. Because you can't tell me that you're that person if you think Coaster Hawkins hasn't been damaging to to the poor people in the state. Mm-hmm. It's been damaging to the fucking middle class in the state. Let's be clear. Yeah. It's created, you know, more probably more poor people. If you can't find rent for under three thousand dollars a month when you're getting paid fifteen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. The hell is that? Literally, yeah, and, what the hell is that? That's not liberal. That's not progressive. And, and California, does California itself as a state does not have a $15 minimum wage, right? No, we That's, do in Los Angeles here. We do in Los Angeles. We do in San Francisco. All the businesses Does Berkeley scream, have? Bloody murder. I mean, that's the home of Robert Reich. Yes. Tell me you do. Well, it's also <laughs> the Robert home Robert your of, neighbor? <laughs> it's also the home of John Yo- Yeah, I see, I see him like... Pumping gas and I, That's funny. St- I stand behind him in the grocery line. He's, I would, I would, he's a very can, nice man. I, I would totally talk to him. I'd be yeah. like, can oh, we, yeah, can we, talk with can him. we discuss, you know, ABC, whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I enjoy, I mean, I don't agree with Robert and everything, but I do enjoy a lot of his philosophy. Um, and I loved his last uh, documentary, Inequality for All, I thought was pretty spot mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I mean, for a guy who went through the uh, sociopath factory known as the Ivy League, uh, <laughs> He's he's done he's right? done really well. He's done really well. He's sort of broken the mold in many ways. I mean, I think um, he deserves the Nobel Peace Prize over like some of the other folks they've given him to. I mean, who's Are you the, kidding? the other? Who's the other? Economist? I deserve the Nobel Peace Prize over. Oh, the Krugman. you're thinking the Nobel Prize in economics? Sorry, yes, Krugman? Did I say, yes, Krugman, like Paul Krugman, like, really. I can't stand that guy. Well, it's like giving somebody like a Nobel Prize. But you have to love his bio. It says the conscience of a liberal. I'm like, oh, hell no. It's the conscience of a neoliberal. Please change that. Well, well, the other Paul, thing really, is, please. is you might as well call it the Nobel Prize in bullshit. Because yeah. <laughs> if they actually understood how the economy worked and were interested in making the economy work, uh, we wouldn't have the level of inequality we have. All right, who's worse? 
that guy having the economic prize, <coughs> Henry Kissinger getting the peace prize. Okay, so I will say it's it's not even close. It's Kissinger. Okay. Because let's say Krugman did write a paper where he had to do some math, and he had to <laughs> he had to support his point. Well, Kissinger just had to carpet bomb, bomb Cambodia, Cambodia and then say, oh, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. And he gets a Nobel Peace Prize. I just don't understand. The, yeah. So last week, speaking of other news, yeah. was it the Krasenstein, the, the twins? The one of them, the, yeah. One of them I just made call them the male frog brothers. Okay, right. So one of them made some sort of comment about Trump's friends trying to nominate him for a Nobel Peace Prize. And he was having a complete cow. Yeah. How, oh my God, that could never happen. That's never. And I just looked at that and I said, have you met Henry Kissinger? Yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me with this? Yeah. Henry Kissinger literally copper bombed the shit out of Cambodia, destroyed the entire country, and got a Nobel. I'm amazing that. People are people don't... just ignorant about our history? They are, and they don't understand. For me, it's like a common knowledge thing. I was making fun of Hillary Clinton getting a war award from Harvard yeah. Uh, yeah. for being a transformative figure. Uh, the award, by the way, is something that was endowed by the Clinton Foundation. Foundation, yeah, you know um, that part but of I, it. But like, I, really... I, I tweeted that story out and said, what next? Henry Kissinger getting a Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> and, of course, I had people coming out to my thing saying, saying oh, no, well, actually, Henry Kissinger, to which I responded. Uh, well, That's the point, you I, idiot. No, I responded, well, at least they didn't give one to Obama. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. 